How's it going today, guys? Once again, I'm back here live in the studio. Another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today, I have one of our most usual guests on this uh, Tuesday, October 30th before Halloween, the day before. Say what's up, guys. Once again, at the Daily Degenerate Podcast, Cohen Hughes. Cohen, say what's up to the people. What up, everybody? It's the Johnny Sins of podcasting, Cohen Hughes. Coming to you live from Smyrna, Georgia, as Thomas Penland comes live from Kennesaw, Georgia. A lot happened today, Thomas. Oh, I know. I I was in the gym today, and everyone was blowing up my phone like, dude, Demarius Thomas. I was so I was playing basketball, so I had my phone on me for like an hour, and then I went and checked it, and everyone was texting me like, dude, Demarius Thomas got traded. Literally right after that, I'm getting the notifications. Golden Tate's on the move. The next thing you know, I'm refreshing Ian Rappaport's Twitter as many times as I can, as fast as I possibly can to see what else happens and whatnot. By the way, I'm kind of surprised you didn't call yourself the Michael Rappaport of the South. Now you're the Johnny Sins. Are you getting yeah. into the porn industry? Yeah, well, just because how are you fucking on you? Without, without, without these fucking picks that I'll be hitting. <laughs> hey, I love that. I love that. But no, some of these trades were crazy today. I mean, we'll go ahead and I mean, we're going to start with our three takeaways. Obviously, mine was mine was the Texans didn't hit a sophomore slump with Deshaun Watson and they're eating. And I mean, to see what they did today, they're only trying to make their team better. What did you yep. what were your thoughts on this trade? Um, I really do like that. And what was it? A fourth round pick? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's worth the flyer on the rest of the year or maybe a year and a half or two years or whatever on a very mm-hmm. good receiver to help Deshaun Watson kind of space out the field and take some of the attention off Demarius or um, Hopkins. Yeah, and plus it was huge for them losing Will Fuller. He's a guy I had on my fantasy team. He just absolutely went off this last week. I was very hurt to see him go. Um, I think it's an amazing trade for the or for uh Houston but I also love it from a Broncos standpoint because Cortland Sutton's a guy I really really like and I mean he's absolutely balled out every single time I've watched him play in the league he's looked like everything they thought he would be and more so I really just feel like that they just kind of cleared out the cap I mean they got rid of a big contract because Thomas I mean yeah he's in the last year but he signed one of those huge five-year hundreds or 700 or 70 million dollars there we go I couldn't spit it out for some reason one of those kind of deals but I thought it was a good move to get him out of there. It kind of opened things up for Sutton, a guy who's played well. So I was a big fan of the deal. But, I mean, I think it means the Texans are here to stay. I was hot on the Texans coming into this season. They kind of struggled to start things off. But my big straight sense. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're the hottest team in the league. I mean, Deshaun Watson just played his best game going 16 for 20 with five touchdowns. He absolutely went off. But my biggest thing that I kept on telling everybody, I was like, don't rule out the Texans. I mean, they played when they had their backs against the wall season on the line. They won, and they've won five straight in a row since. But the biggest thing was that all the three of those losses to start the season off were by one score. Yeah. Like, every single one of them was by one score. So I could never really have ruled them out. So... I, I like people. Them, like people me. ask me all the time, why do why do I like Bill O'Brien so much? It's because mm-hmm. he has coached directly under Belichick for multiple years. He's a savant academically of the game, and whenever he's coaching a football team, he's going to keep you in those one possession games, no matter who it's against. Like he's going to give you a great team. Like the way yeah, that's that he, exactly. he he preaches discipline, the way that he gauges analytics as compared to feel. Bill O'Brien is a great NFL head coach. I agree with you completely. I love everything Bill O'Brien's done with his team, and I think the Texans will keep on balling. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more here about trades before we get deeper into our three takeaways from this last weekend. Uh, what did you think were the – give me your best trade of the day beside, outside of that uh, Demarius Thomas deal. Um, best trade of the day. I'll tell you one trade that really surprised me was the Golden Tate trade, which mm-hmm. I, I always can just kind of – 
I don't know. I I I could just always see Golden Tate being a lion just because how their offense works. The shotgun offense where the ball is getting thrown seventy percent of the time. You know, like who who what receiver wouldn't want to play in that system? Exactly. Um, and I think it was one of those. Ah, oh, he may not resign, so let's go ahead and get something for him while while we can. But I'm not super committed that Golden Tate wouldn't have resigned. I think with the Eagles um, having Carson Wentz, it, it, maybe he'll have some more scarce touches to a degree, mm-hmm. but um, really I think that he hurt himself not by saying, Hey, trade me. But I think his stock is now hurt from uh, playing for the Eagles now, but my favorite trade of the day was probably haha Clinton Dix going from the Packers to the Redskins. They got a fourth round pick for him for someone that probably wouldn't have re-signed. And that's going to be the same. But I think it's a horrible trade for the Packers. Uh, it well, well for the Redskins. Yeah. Like, like for the Redskins, it's it, it, it's it's a really good yeah. pick because I mean you get help where DJ Swearinger needs it the most, um, mm-hmm. and you had to give out give away a fourth round pick to get him. I mean, fourth round picks are flyers to me. Um, I think that a lot of Packers players won't resign at the end of their current deals if Mike McCarthy stays on as head coach. So mm-hmm. from the Packers, yeah, they got rid of someone and got at least a a, a pick for someone that probably would not have resigned, but. I it, it it baffles me how you can get away with getting fourth round pick for guys, you know, like for for good guys like that. Like in in baseball and basketball, mm-hmm. that that shit doesn't happen. Like you're pretty much swapping equal money for equal talent or equal talent for equal talent. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I agree with you on that part. Uh, I hated that trade from a Packers standpoint. I mean, yeah, you're going to lose him in free agency. Yeah, he's not really having a great time in Green Bay. But at the same time, if you're the Packers, you have to compete for a Super Bowl. I thought they made a great trade by getting rid of Ty Montgomery. I mean, I was absolutely pissed off on Sunday when he fumbled that ball. I think Aaron Rodgers was going to drive down the field, score the game-winning touchdown. You have to give him a chance. I was absolutely furious with Ty Montgomery and what he did in that game. He he cost them the whole game. I well, thought you had to get him out of there. It's even worse that, that the coaches told him, yo, Neil, no matter what, you know, like keep it in the end zone type, type things. He, mm-hmm. just, he just went hella rogue and was just like, yeah, nah, like I'm about to, I'm about to put the team on my back right here. Like my man, you have Aaron Rodgers. Don't do that. Yeah. Put the ball in his hand. Yeah. You're, you're down too. Yeah. I was Come not on. happy with that move at all. I will also say this with uh going back to what you said earlier about the golden Tate trade. I thought the lions won that trade by far just because the lions got a third round pick for a guy. They probably weren't even going to try to resign. Oh, so oh, and he, and he was outspoken saying that he was not going to resign. Mm-hmm, that's what I'm saying. So I thought it was a great trade trade, got a uh, great trade for them. The trade that I liked the most today was the Rams going out and getting Dante Fowler. I think it just makes that D line even oh. scarier than it already was. Did you see what Melvin Gordon I, said? What he said on Twitter was like, God damn, how many players do they need? <laughs> and, and and he's right, like they're turning into the fucking Warriors uh, of, the, of football. Like it's a it's a miracle that they didn't beat the Falcons last year in the playoffs. You know, like mm-hmm. this year they're just turning it on. Like they're literally just nah. stockpiling great players. Oh, absolutely, and I love the move, and that's what this is. The reason, see, the reason why I love the move so much is not necessarily because they went out because they got him, but it's because. They went out and they made their team better and they know they can win a Super Bowl and they want to do every single thing in their power. They can. I love it when teams do this. Like the thing that I'll never forget for some reason to me in sports, I'll never forget when the Nationals sat Steven Strasburg when I thought they had the best team they ever had Mm -hmm. and they got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. That always to me will be the loser mentality. You could never say, oh, we have enough. We like what we have. If you always want to look.
look to make your team better week in and week out. And that's what the Rams do. And that's why they're so good. Too many sports pundits and too many guys that are paid to do this stuff. Think about winning the off season. And yeah, that's mm-hmm. all, that's all fine and cool everything. But I like what you said, like you have to win from day to day, you know, like you don't win games on paper. You win them on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays by playing the games and going out and getting guys who cares if it may cost you a draft pick here or there. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Maybe the, the process is interrupted a little bit in terms of draft day and the offseason signing per- period and shit like that. If you can sacrifice it where you have too much and get a hole covered, that's a good that's a good football deal. If you ask me, you know, like I'm not I don't I don't understand these people who like to hold guys in in football, whatever injuries happen so much and so much tape is put out there like you you can get a new fresh face and get someone that makes your football team better and say to hell with this locker room culture. Oh, a new guy could come and interrupt the focus of a locker room. Like, I don't care what he interrupts as long as he plays on the field. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you on that one completely. I mean, you got to do whatever you can to make your team better, no matter what it is, no matter what the price is. I mean, I'll take a championship all day over and have five losing seasons to come after that, as long as you get the ring. You know, it's it's it's, it's it's hard to win a championship, a lot harder than people think. But mm-hmm. I thought it was definitely an interesting trade deadline. I liked seeing all the moves. I kind of wish the Falcons had made a couple moves. But what was your what's your first of your three takeaways from this last weekend? Um. The first one's kind of a funny one. I uh, placed a lot of bets this weekend, mm-hmm. and on Saturday at noon, I saw a game that I was scrolling by. It was Nebraska versus Bethune Cookman. Did you see this game? Uh, I didn't have any action on it, but I did see the game. It was a forty-six and a half point spread. Yeah, that was that was that was one of the biggest spreads I, I've ever seen. So, of course, I took it. I took Bethune-Cookman, the 46-and-a-half, and and I think Nebraska only scored 46 points. Yeah, it was 45-to-9 was the final score. That that was the easiest money I made all weekend. Jeez, yeah, I wish I'd I'd put some action on that one, unfortunately. But, yeah, that's definitely – a pretty interesting spread right there. Um, my one of my biggest takeaways from the weekend is that the Panthers are legit, and I think personally, mm-hmm. like I've been really high on the Ravens all season long. I've said the Ravens are a really, really good football team. I felt like they were probably going to come out and win this game. They were plus three against the Panthers, but Cam Newton has been extremely yeah in Carolina. Cam, yeah, they're undefeated do at home. They're undefeated at home. I didn't bet on that game, but they're undefeated at home. And my biggest thing about this, about this season and why the Panthers have been so good is Cam Newton has 13 touchdown passes and four interceptions rather than last year. He had 22 touchdown passes and 16 interceptions. So Cam Newton has played a lot better. I think DJ Moore went off in this game, their rookie wide receiver. So I feel like the Panthers, man, you know, they're on track right now. And this team looks really, really good. With a new offensive coordinator. That's what that'll mm-hmm. do for you. With um, they got rid of Shula and brought in um, North Turner, isn't yep. that right? And that yes, they did. That that just opens up their playbook so more. It's not the Cam Newton mm-hmm. and Christian McCaffrey show anymore. You know, like last yeah. year, I, I could watch a Panthers game and it would be they would wear Christian McCaffrey out. He would if you had Christian mm-hmm. McCaffrey in PPR last year. God bless your soul. You had too many points. Yeah, that but offense was. But this that year. Offense is- this year they're they're actually finding the spread and they're actually finding ways to keep Cam Newton out of pressure spots that he has to try to play Superman to get out of. 
Mm -hmm. And I think they're doing a better job of protecting him and helping because my biggest thing with Cam Newton is when you watch Cam Newton play, when he gets up and he's throwing the first downs, he's dabbing on you, doing all the other BS that Cam Newton does after every single play. He's in your head and he owns you. You know, he's talking smack. But if you go out there and you smack him in the mouth a couple times, he goes over there and sits on the bench, puts the towel over his head and cries. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you have to do. Every single time I watch the Panthers and Cam Newton get his ass kicked, that's what happens is he sits over there on the bench and cries. But They've done a great job, like you said, of getting other guys involved. Last year, I remember I was at the Falcons-Panthers game, and there was a Panthers fan talking smack to me, and I was like, dude, your offense is literally a joke. All you do is check it down to Christian McCaffrey or run the ball with Cam Newton. I was like, until I see y'all complete a pass to a wide receiver, don't say another word to me the rest of the game. And Cam Newton threw for under 100 yards He was a mute. He was a mute. Yeah. Because because all they did was throw to Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like the last time this offense was honestly really good was when they had Steve Smith. Yeah, they went to the Super Bowl that one year, but that I said all season long, I thought, that, yeah, the offense was a joke and that defense was stacked up. They just had playmakers all over the field for themselves at defense. So, I mean, like their secondary, Josh Norman and Charles Tillman were just going off that season. So I think Cam's done a better job of not turning the ball over and holding on to it, and it's made the Panthers a lot better team. Yeah, um, another takeaway that I had was the Cavaliers fire at Tyron Lue. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure if you've heard about the coaching situation now. But as of a few hours ago, the Cavaliers came out and said that Larry Drew is their interim head coach. Mm-hmm. And then whenever the media asked Larry Drew about it, he said he wasn't the interim head coach at this time. Yeah. So the Cavaliers... I mean, it's it's about an hour until game time. I'm not quite sure how much has changed, but up until today at 6:30 p.m., they had they they still have a vacancy at, at at head coach. Larry Drew said that his him and his agent were talking to the Cavs about restructuring the contract, but nothing has been no agreement has been met yet. Yeah, so I actually uh, got a phone call from the Cavs a little bit earlier. They asked me to come up there and uh, coach the team. I'm actually running a little bit behind. I'm about yeah. to hop on the jet here in a few minutes. It's going to have to be a private leader because you, you got about an hour. Yeah, me and, me and Cohen will hold it down. But no, I think that's hilarious, honestly. And the Hawks uh, opened up at plus four. I've seen the lines already moved to plus five. If I were y'all, I'd go ahead and jump on the Hawks. I'm kind of embarrassed because I picked the Cavs to make the playoffs, but I'm not going to lie. I still think, I still think they can make the playoffs. I mean, I don't, I don't expect, this is what I've been telling everyone. I don't expect that much about out of these rookies so far, like all these rookie basketball players in the league. I don't really expect anything out of them so far. Like if Trey young, when he had that 35 and 10 game I was like all right like I'm I was really hyped about that because I mean these kids are 19 year old in the NBA you can't expect that much out of them their first like couple games playing against men like even Donovan Mitchell look at his splits Mm -hmm. he wasn't that great at the beginning of the season but after about I think it was like middle of December he just took off and didn't even look back once you get that footing and and you get a feel for the pace of the game Mm -hmm. if you have talent and you have confidence you can you can do that kind of thing and exactly. Honestly, you can kind of see a little bit of that from Trey Young right now. He's he's not afraid to throw it up. He's not afraid mm-hmm. to take charge and take most of the shots on a given night. That's that is one thing that does make the Hawks' future not bleak. I think um, I was at the game that they came back from twenty six down on opening I was home, too. home night, and man, Lloyd Pierce. I may have been wrong about Lloyd Pierce. I, I called him a nobody on my podcast, and I think that he may, he may, he may be a, a great little statistic coach. The way that he's Look, had, a, think, he's had a, te- a team of nobodies, practically, except mm-hmm. for a few good young guys playing, 
this year. And granted, they have had the easiest schedule in the NBA through their first six or seven games. But I mean, mm. really, like it's hard to win in the NBA with guys who have never been here before like this and outcasts like Jeremy Lin and Alex Lin, Dwayne Dedman, you know, like it's not easy to win with these guys. Not at all. And, you know, I, I, I like Lloyd Pierce a lot as a coach. I still stand by my statement. Lloyd Pierce is the right coach for rebuilding, but when it's time to win games, he will no longer be the head coach. That's a slippery slope for Atlanta teams. So sometimes we keep around those guys for a little bit too long. I'm at, look mm-hmm. at Mike Smith. Yeah, Mike Smith stayed, stayed around for way too long. You know, I love watching him and Dirk Cutter struggle in Tampa. I call them the Falcons flunkies. Obviously, That's Mike Smith got team. fired. Yeah, it really is. They're a joke of a team. Um, one of my big takeaways, actually, from the weekend, I'll, I'll do an NBA one here. I, I'll, I'll go ahead and just say this week, why not, is Golden State pretty much just takes turns with who gets to go off. Like, I'm pretty sure those guys play rock, paper, scissors, shoot back in the locker room. Like, all right, oh, KD won. It's your turn to go out and drop 50 tonight. I mean, yep. we've seen Steph have some games this season where he's exploded. We've seen KD. Last night, obviously, it was Clay. I mean, Steph still had good stats last night, but like KD, I think he had 35 on when did they play on or against the Nets. So, I mean, yeah. that game was on Sunday night. So, like, these guys literally, they just take turns going off. It's not even fair how good they are. The past, like, six calendar days, there's been, like, four guys on the on the Warriors hit, like, 35, 40, 50 points. Yep. Like, this is honestly what, f- fucking absurd at this point. It's not even, like, I tweeted out today that my NBA power rankings, if I put them out today, it would be the Warriors at one, two, and three, and then I yeah. might throw somebody in there at four, if even that. Nobody's even close to no, them. dude. Like, honestly, th- this is... It's cool to see a, a, a good team like this, a great team like this, just mm-hmm. plaster over competition, kind of like the Alabama of the NBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I, I, I am ready to see like them in the playoffs, like whenever they get boogie back in the middle of the year, and how they and how Steve Kerr actually does manage all these personalities. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think everything will fit in fine. DeMarcus Cousins obviously wants to be there and get the ring. I think he's all bought in to their system. He knows that he might not be as much of a piece as he wants to be, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for him. I think he'd rather go out there and play less minutes and kind of, you know, because it helps him build up his stock. So if he goes out there, he's a good locker room guy. He plays well in his minutes when he's on the floor. It only helps but build his stock, if anything. On a one-year deal for very little money, he – if all goes right with him, somebody will sign him for the max, mm-hmm. and, and then he'll have a ring to show for it. You know, this is a this is a a true prove it year for him, and he did nothing but pull out all the obvious stops. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely there. Uh, let's go back here to a little bit NBA. Big storyline coming this week, obviously from earlier in the week. Browns fired; they parted ways with Hugh Jackson, their head coach. Did you think this was the right move? Um, I think it was the right move. The wrong time it should have happened in this offseason or the last one. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, there are a few guys because I, I actually kind of expected um, them to get rid of Todd Haley along with Hugh Jackson just because both of them were such a power struggle. Yeah. And I kind of like the morning that it happened, whenever they didn't even fire Todd Haley, and I, t- I texted Maddie and I was like, yo, like watch this be Greg Williams. The Falcons are going to hang 50 on them if if Greg Williams is the head coach. And then two hours later, they were like, okay, Greg Williams is now the new interim. Jeez. So I like it from a fact that the Falcons play the Browns in two weeks, but I also mm-hmm. like it for the Browns. Like, let's really go ahead and hit the reset button for real. You know, like, let's not keep around yeah. any of these loose ends that – I mean, because because you watch Hard Knocks, it was it was a joke. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it was comic relief disguised as 
a rebuild. You know, like the the Browns sh- should be fucking six and two right now, but because yeah. of bad coaching, they are sitting at two, three, and one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I agree. Right move, wrong time. It, sh- it sh- should have been earlier, but you know, at least it happened. Um, I don't think it was the wrong time necessarily. I think it was the right time. I think they gave Hugh Jackson a chance. I did watch Hard Knocks. I mean, I do agree with you he, that there's definitely some rough patches in there. But at the same time, I kind of liked Hugh Jackson. I was rooting for him to get everything on track. I really thought that he had a chance. I wanted to see him prove it when they actually gave him a quarterback. And I think he finally got his chance and it didn't work out. But I really think that what the Browns have to do is look what all these other teams have done with these rookie quarterbacks. They go out and they get these this coach who's a quarterback guru who develops them, you know, like an offensive coach. And it's just like like Sean McVay and Jared Goff is the perfect example here. Oh, and if I'm the Browns, and I know that I know Lincoln Riley came out and he said that he doesn't want to go to the NFL. But if I'm the Browns, I'm paying Lincoln Riley what ever it takes to get him out of Oklahoma. I think that system that he has is unbelievable. Like, look at all these mm-hmm. East Carolina wide receivers in the NFL. Justin Hardy, Zay Jones, or just two of them, for example, who Chris, broke um, in CJ2K uh, was a running back for – Oh, yeah, East Chris Carolina. Johnson. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, look at these players. Like, they put – like, obviously these guys – CJ2K was good in the NFL. I don't know if he was there when Lincoln Riley no, was. was. I don't think he was. Yeah, it was probably way too early, but – I just feel like that these wide receivers, you know, like Justin Hardy probably won't be on the Falcons team next year. Zay Jones was a bust in the NFL. Like this system that he has elevates these offensive players to so much better. And I just feel like Baker, yeah, it was his, it was his college coach. I think he'd work so much better with him. And I think this Lincoln Riley d- offense can transfer over to the NFL with the way they pass the ball. Cause I mean, it, they still run the ball really well too in the Lincoln Riley offense. So I think his system works. And if I were the Browns, I'd pay him any amount of money to come to the NFL. Um, Lincoln Riley, um, does make sense with Baker and that would be a clear and obvious upgrade in my opinion mm-hmm. over Hugh Jackson. There are a few better guys that I would hire before Lincoln. Um, one name that's been popped up on the message boards on the internet is, um, Jack Del Rio. Okay. Some people feel that he got kind of an unfair exit from Oakland whenever mm-hmm. they wanted to bring in Gruden. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen Mike Leach, his name come up, and I would love that because I'm a I'm a huge Mike Leach guy. I don't think Mike Leach wants to go to the NFL. I think his system is more predicated towards college and getting kids to buy in, something that you can't really do at the pro pro level too much. Like it's more the, the players are independent contractors, and you just gotta draw up the chess yeah. match to, to to win. Um, but I would I would like to see Del Rio get another chance. If you ask me, um, I think maybe. Um, Josh McDaniels is a, is a guy who makes sense. A quarterback guru, like you said, could go in and actually use a very academic and deliberate football approach to get the guys get back to the fundamentals and play playing right. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, I really don't see. I mean, I, yeah, I, I get it's the NFL, but I don't see too many established coaches running to jump at this position. Yeah, I agree with you on that on that part. Um, I personally think they need to go to college here and get themselves one of these guys or go get themselves an offensive coordinator from a really explosive offense. I think or I just think it's so cr- Harbaugh would be a good, good, a good. Yeah, player. he would. Hey, that would be a perfect out mm. for Harbaugh. But me too. At I the same time. So We'll talk about it in the college football part or segment of the show, but I think Harbaugh could have a really good, you know, you know, like I, I think yeah. Harbaugh could be up to something here. So we'll definitely see what goes on there. 
Um, let's go. Let's um go back over here one more time to NFL real quick before we get to that college segment. Uh, let's talk here MVP race. Who's your MVP right now? Um, so far, I love Todd Gurley, but it's got to be Pat Mahomes. Just seeing how young he is, this is his first year in starting mm-hmm. extended full time action, and he is just making mincemeat of the defenses that he plays. Um, that, that's probably the AFC MVP. If I had to choose one from the NFC, I, I still don't think it would be Gurley. I still I think it would be um, Drew Brees. I think Ooh. Drew Brees is old, long in the teeth, but he's still just making a joke out of any defense that comes near him. Um, he just threw his first pick the other night on Sunday night football against the um, Vikings, a great defense. Um, I think I, I think Drew has made us all eat our words again for thinking that uh, maybe Drew Brees might be a little bit done. Yeah, I agree with you on that part that he might be making us eat our words a little bit again. But at the same time, I can't pick Drew Brees over Russell Wilson. I cannot. I'm you know how I, I don't know if you see my tweets or anything and how high I am on Russell Wilson. Cause just cause I know you don't have Twitter, but yeah. dude, what Russell Wilson does to me is unbelievable. Like I, it me is. and my buddy were going down a list the other day of offenses that we would take like weapons wise. Like don't look at your quarterback or offensive line, just pure weapons you have. Cause I mean, Since Russell Wilson's Seattle offensive line is on that list. Yeah. The only teams that we, buns, their receiving core is buns. They, mm-hmm. their best running back is who fucking Chris Carson. Like, yeah. Get like, out who? of here. You know, like, Mm-hmm. Like that's what I'm saying. Like literally, yep. only the only offenses play or that I would take over them are the or that I wouldn't take over them are the Jets, the Raiders. Now that they don't have Coop anymore, and Lynch yeah. is pretty much I don't even know what Lynch is up to these days, and the Cardinal or I mean the Forty ers Those are the only three offenses that like have that I would not take their weapons over what you have right Dep- now. Depends like, like, with, with Shanahan coaching. I don't know, you know, like it's it's still a, a toss up. Uh, but I mean, I would, yeah. She, I mean, she, the with Shanahan coaching, obviously, it makes them better. But yeah. they're like, I'm saying, like the players in there, Marquise, all them. <laughs> it's pretty much a toss up. Like it's it, he gets no support. He Russell Wilson's the most disrespected player in the he NFL. Is. At one point in the game, he was ten for eleven with three touchdowns. Yeah, he's the Seahawks team with, is hot. They won uh, four out of their last five. Who is who's the new guy? So, Moore that's been making the catches for him. Yeah, he caught two touchdowns, dude, I believe, or, yeah, dude, or just one. He's making college receivers and rookie, rookie, rookies look great. Look he's at what he did with Paul career. Richardson last year. You know, like Russell Wilson is a fucking magic man. Mm-hmm. And like the thing I always remember about Russell Wilson is these plays where he just runs around in the backfield for like twenty. He just buys time until mm-hmm. somebody gets open. Then he slings the ball down the field, hits whoever. Like you could say, oh, Doug Baldwin. He's uh, Doug Baldwin ain't done shit this year. Go check the stats. He didn't even have above. He hasn't broken eighty yards receiving in a single game this season. He Doug hasn't Baldwin done a damn overrated. thing. That's what I'm saying. I'm tired of it. I want people to put respect that Russell Wilson deserves on his name, yeah. and he's going to prove it over this stretch. I mean, he lost to the Rams. At, yes, it was at home, but by two points. Like, he almost beat the most unbeatable team in the NFL right now, but their schedule is going to be tough here. They pull it, They get the Chargers at home, then they play at the Rams, then they get the Packers at home, then at the Panthers, then they got the uh, 49ers, but then they got the Vikings at home, at the 49ers, and they get the Chiefs at home and the Cardinals. So, I mean, outside of those a, three games yeah, versus the 49 Niners and Cardinals. That is the absolute gauntlet. Every single one of those teams is hot right now. Oh, as hell. 
So, I mean, if Russell Wilson comes out of this thing and gets his team in the playoffs, if you think there's any quarterback in the NFL better than Russell Wilson, you are crazy if he gets his team in the playoffs. I mean, this roster is horrible. Their whole defense left. And and, and the defense is young as hell. I I think Pete Carroll's message and his little, oh, hoorah, we love everybody kind of thing is starting to go stale. I think that it's good for the younger guys, but I think still some of the vets that they have have kind of gotten washed out from Pete Carroll's overall message and hoorah. So the fact that mm-hmm. Russell Wilson has this squad in contention for anything, he's a gentleman and a scholar. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I think Russell Wilson is purely bought into Pete Carroll's system. And honestly, look, I hate the Seahawks as a Falcons fan. That's a rival, but I legitimately think Pete Carroll's one of the best coaches in football. He proved he could do it at a dominant level. He won a championship at both levels, and he's been he's been damn good in the NFL. He's never really had I mean, yeah, I think he had that losing season that year they got in the playoffs. Yeah, he did it seven and nine when Marshawn Lynch had the famous Hold my dick. Hold my dick. You know, you know. Yeah, when he had that play, but I mean, I just feel like that he, Pete Carroll's a great coach. He makes some stupid decisions, but like we've always said, in order to be a good coach, you have to make some stupid decisions. But if well, you get the made, right, your genius if you miss him, you're like hundred miles an hour. You know, like he's making mm-hmm. he's making aggressive calls. It's not like he he's unapologetically himself, and you can't yeah. fault someone for doing that. And if anything, a lot of these coaches we see, like Mike Vrabel, for example, going for that two-point conversion, or like uh, Frank Wright going for the uh, going forward on fourth down in his own area for the Colts, like an Andrew Luck underthrows the receiver, like yeah, those are aggressive play calls. But the thing about Pete Carroll is he actually gets them right, and I'll never forget that's this is why this is why to me that Aaron Rodgers is being wasted on the Green Bay Packers. He's being absolutely wasted. Mike McCarthy is a horrible head coach. He was absolutely outcoached in that NFC Championship game when they lost when they lost to the Seahawks in that game the Seahawks got that onside kick solely because whoever was standing in the in front of the line was supposed to slam into the guy and they were going to let uh, I believe it was James Jones catch it instead he went back there and tried to fight James Jones to catch the ball and both of them missed it for that reason and that's yep. coaching right there mm-hmm. Pete Carroll he faked the field goal got a touchdown like that's coaching right there and that's why that's why to me I think Aaron Rodgers is getting wasted I think the Packers are absolutely wasting Aaron Rodgers talent in the best years of probably the best quarterback we'll ever see play this game. Yeah. It really sucks. The the best throwing quarterback in terms of making plays. Um, he may not be the GOAT, but goddamn, he has some of the most amazing ability that I've ever seen in my life. I think him and Russell Wilson are the two most skilled quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL. That's just me personally. And I mean, Sean Watson keeps putting it together year after year. He could say, be let me see how up. Deshaun Watson does when he gets older. Yeah. Let me see how Pat Mahomes ages because Pat Mahomes can, is a cyborg oh, out I mean, there. Pat Pat Mahomes right now is the most talented player to ever pick up a football. Like we could be yeah. watching the next. Yeah. yeah. Like these guys are crazy, but I would say overall for the MVP race right now, I in mean, terms you, of carrying Mahomes, his team, I think you may be right. I think Russell Wilson may have the nod a little bit. I've got to give it to Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes historically is having another one of those great seasons. You can't ignore that right now. His team has a better record at seven and one. At the end of the day, if Mahomes carries the Chiefs, if the Chiefs lose under three games, there are three games or less. I, I, there's no logical way I could pick anybody over Pat Mahomes. I mean, he leads the NFL in like every statistical passing category you want to lead the league in. So yep. I don't see any way you can pick anybody over him at number two. I have Russell Wilson. And then I have Gurley at three. I mean, Gurley's top. He gets scores so many touchdowns. I mean, he leads the league in rushing yards. Mm-hmm. What he's doing is, and then after that, I have Drew Brees at four. Your guy, I put him right there at four. I mean, Drew Brees could easily jump Gurley though. I yeah, mean, yeah. The Rams I, are undefeated. I, I would say that, that I would have him switched. I would have Brees then Gurley, but um, Drew Brees has made me eat my words for another year in a row, and God damn it, I'm tired of it, dude. Like, 
is this guy going to be a 40 year old five foot nine just jugs machine just distributing the ball like he is like this is honestly kind of getting old Whenever his athleticism runs down, he won't be as good because that's the difference between him and Brady. Brady sits in the pocket. Drew Brees uses athleticism. Uh, my reasoning, though, for having Todd Gurley over Drew Brees is the way I look at it is both these offenses are so, so, so stacked up with weapons that the Rams have the better record. They're undefeated. I got to give the nod here to Gurley. Um, that's that's just my reasoning. At number five, I've Matt Ryan and Deshaun Watson tied, but I can easily. Yeah, I could easily put Deshaun Watson over him. And I pitched Deshaun Watson to, and Todd Gurley. I said Deshaun Watson or Todd Gurley would MV, win MVP before the season. I thought Pat Mahomes, I figured he'd have games like he has this season, but I figured we'd see some games where he throws four interceptions and two. No t- I'm surprised that the wheels haven't fallen off the tracks yet on the train. You know, you know, like, you know if they had let him start last year, I think that's what would happen. But because he set out for so long, I mean, it, like, I, like the thing I'll always – love about watching the chiefs on Sundays. I love seeing that when Andy Reid goes over there and sits next to Pat Mahomes on the bench, you just see the cameras on both of them. I'm like, that's what a good coach should do. Like Sean McVay, he'll go sit over there with Jared Goff. Like that's what the coaches do that put their teams to the next level. And these guys like, yeah, their defense is like the chiefs defense is not very good. The chiefs are just like, we're going to outscore you and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. And that's exactly what they've done all season. Andy Reid knows how to play that clock and he knows how to make decisions on the coin toss and when to go for two and when not to almost put his foot on your throat and step on it. Yeah, no, I agree with you there completely. Um, for time's sake, whether people don't want to sit here and listen to me and you talk for two hours, cause we could yeah. easily do it. Dude, I'm telling Let's you, move you on here to college football. Um, we're in a podcast again later this week or sir. We would talk obviously for y'all about the Alabama LSU, but what's your uh, current final four looking like right now in order? My current final four is number one, Alabama. I think their league's above anyone else. Um, not even much to say. Maybe whenever they get to playing real competition, they could kind of show some flaws. But as for what I've seen right now, nobody can beat them and nobody will. Let's be honest. The only way anybody's beating Alabama is if Oklahoma and Georgia combine their offense and defense. And, and, and they, they play the split bowl where – they just combine their two teams and just let them run out there. And Alabama still would probably beat them, honestly. Now that I'm kind of thinking about it, like, who knows? Yeah. Um, at number two, I have um, – sadly, I have Clemson. Clemson's kind of made themselves look a little bit worse, in my opinion, than um, I had them regarded as earlier in the season. But because of the LSU losses, because of the Georgia losses, because of the Auburn looking so underperformed, I have to put Clemson at two. Uh, I'm actually going to see, like, I agree with you with Clemson at number two, but I actually disagree with you of them underperforming. Uh, I really feel like that Clemson that, you know, like when you Trevor Lawrence is coming in, there as a freshman. Kelly Bryant's taking more snaps than you are with the first team. So he's more comfortable with them. Kelly Bryant or Trevor Lawrence gets thrown to the fire a little bit. I mean, he still blows out. He blows out Georgia Southern when he comes in. He blows out Georgia Tech. He gets hurt against Syracuse. That's the only reason why that game's close. He turns around and blows out Wake Forest 63-3. Then he gets the bye week. He gets more comfortable. You play your best opponent. You've played all your NC State. And, this and, team and is good. 56-3 yeah. or whatever. And the craziest thing about it is Clemson is one of the best running teams in the nation. NC State had a top 10 run defense and a top 6 passing offense. And they got run off the field. They then did. they absolutely I've never turned off a Florida State game in the after the first play of the third quarter. But when they ran that, what was it like 50 yard run on us to start yeah. out the third quarter? I was absolutely done. I was like, yeah. I'm not watching this anymore. Like we were losing 42 to zero at one point in that game. Like, or there was 45 zero at one point in that game. They absolutely came into Tallahassee and embarrassed us, which is what I expected to have happen because we've gone into Clemson a couple of times and they've had highly rated teams and we've embarrassed them and run up the score before. 
I mean, we only deserve it. You know, it comes back to get you. So I actually disagree with you. I think Clemson, that Syracuse game was kind of like people thought they were limping, but I think now that Trevor Lawrence is comfortable that this team is unstoppable. Um, And and, and to be quite honest with you, they were quite lucky that they didn't lose because a third string quarterback led a heroic Mm -hmm. minute and a half, fourth quarter drive. Fourth and seven pass. Yep. Fourth and seven pass um, secured it pretty much one of the damn game. Like that was one of the most tense moments I've seen so far this year. I've, I had Clemson friends, uh, fans on my Facebook, like whining and complaining and crying the whole damn time until we completed that pass. So that's the, that's the way it is in the circle of life. Um, at number three, I do have Notre Dame just for right now. I agree. Um, I, me and Maddie called about a month ago that Notre Dame would probably be the number three or number four team. If they can keep winning and their schedule looks pretty easy the rest of the way. Easy. Um, where where we come into trouble is number four. Part of me um, wants to play the the record game and the paper game and says, well, you have to give it to UCF just because they've won twenty fucking straight games in a row, you know, and they beat Auburn, even though okay. Auburn didn't want to play there, you know, like doesn't mm-hmm. really matter if this is what we're doing. We have to have some sort of precedent and rule for winning twenty games in a row, kind of like Boise State. We had to give uh-huh. them the respect. We had to include them to the party. So part of me wants to say that. Part of me wants to say maybe LSU just because w- what they've done. Um, part of me wants to say, like, I don't know, maybe even, like, if Kentucky can keep winning, maybe include them to the party. You know, but, like, that this number four spot is going to be very highly coveted because there have been a lot of – Good, good, good teams like Georgia that have one loss, and we're going to have to see how they play and see if they can get the wheels back on the wagon because Georgia's a very confusing team this year. They've lost some of their offensive identity. They lost uh, about a third of their talent to the off- to, uh, to the NBA draft or the NFL draft. NFL, yeah. Yeah, um, Georgia is, is even on a week-to-week basis when they do win – on, on when they win games against like Florida, when they win games against Tennessee that are kind of close in the second and third quarter, but you know, they're going to pull away. They, it still takes them a long time in a game to find their offensive identity. Um, Kirby smarts, a great coach. I do see them continuing to win. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Kentucky upsets them or. You know, I don't see it those. happening. I can, I can see. It, I don't it, think so. I it'll be a it. close game, but I don't think they can beat them. I will say this. Florida handed them the game on the silver platter. Felipe Flapjacks, as they call him. He might be the worst starting quarterback in college football. He turned the ball over a ton and handed it to them on a silver platter. Um, I'm not sold on Georgia. Georgia's going to get absolutely train wrecked by Alabama in the SEC. Like, oh, I gosh. legitimately think Alabama might beat them in the SEC championship in the, like 56 to 10. Like, it's going to be I bad. Wouldn't doubt, I, don't, I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. To be quite like I'm you. not, I'm not being a Georgia hater here or anything. I'm, I don't think anybody they don't can look play that, that. They just don't look that overwhelmingly good like they did last year, and mm-hmm. Alabama just looks even better. Especially yeah, I mean, I, like, dude, like you, you, you just took the lid off the fucking jar, and just it's overflowing at this point for Bama. Dude, it's like when the Warriors got Kevin Durant with them getting to a like <laughs> yeah, Alabama usually like, has this game manager quarterback. Now they have the huge playmaker quarterback. But I actually have as my number four team. I'm going to go with LSU just for right now, just because I feel like they have the biggest win to their name of any team in college football like so that. far this season. I like that just, just for now, and because their resume mm. really does speak for itself. You can kind of play that game early on in the rankings, mm. but once we get to week eleven and week twelve, you're going to have to start looking at wins and losses. 
Yeah, I mean, there's some good games coming up this weekend. Like we said, we, um, we're not really going to talk about it. Obviously, LSU, Alabama, something will figure itself out there. Michigan, who I, pr- I probably have Michigan and Oklahoma tied net in Georgia. Those are the next three teams right there. Michigan plays Penn State this weekend, so we at least get to somewhat see what they're made of there. I mean, Georgia plays Kentucky this week, so, I mean, Georgia can get another quality win if they can pull that one out. Yep. Um, Oklahoma plays TCU this week, but I actually, I mean, Texas Tech this week, I mean, Oklahoma has pretty easy, and I think they'll get their revenge on Texas if Texas is able to get there, but Texas is actually the team that I really want to talk about right now, and I think Texas was a big-time pretender. Oklahoma State was, uh, that was a bad mediocre. loss. Yeah, they're a mediocre team winning the game handedly. Yeah, I mean, they lost back-to-back weeks to Iowa State and Kansas State. Kansas State got blown out by Oklahoma. And I'll say this. I think Oklahoma gets back in the Final Four. And, you know, like, I've Kyler Murray's probably my favorite player to watch in college football. I've watched every game he's played as the starter. There was a play in the game where the ball gets snapped over his head, and he kind of scoops it up. He plants his foot in the ground to the right, then just takes off to the left side of the field. The defensive end was literally on his heels, misses the tackle, and he runs out of bounds 30 yards down the field. I was like, geez, this guy messes up, and it still looks good. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong that he can he can do no wrong. No, um, and and. And the very sad fact of the world is, is that um, Kyler Murray probably will not play in the NFL. I've heard reports mm-hmm. that he will choose to go into the MLB draft. I've heard that as good of a football player that he is, he's even better at baseball. And the sad fact is the only thing that he can't control is the one thing that he's bad at. He is five, nine, maybe mm-hmm. um, MLB.com and NFL or NCAA.com, whatever the, the official bio uh, is under half him at like five ten and five eleven. That's just not true. Like, he's a he's a super he's a, he's like closer to five eight five nine. Yeah, he must have been standing on his tippy toes when they took yep. those measurements. But the only, the only guy to have success that. is Doug Flutie. And do you think mm-hmm. Kyler Murray is Doug Flutie? I mean I, I don't no. I mean I think he's a great athlete. I think he's a great little quarterback, but I think he'll find more success playing football. Or baseball. Yeah, I mean, football. the A's already took him in the first round. There's more money in baseball. I think he'd Way. be stupid to go to the to go to the NFL. Like, look at Aaron Judge, for example. Aaron Judge Judge made first team all like whatever he was out in California as a receiver. Yeah. Same thing for basketball, but look at him. He's playing baseball. He's going to make more money in baseball off one contract than he would in a whole career in the NFL. And it's the same thing for Kyler Murray. They're going to make more money off that one contract. Like the one contract in the NBA or in the um, MLB than they would in the NFL. So. Yeah. I think they're making the right move here to avoid the NFL. I mean, I love football, but at the end of the day, if I'm really good at baseball and basketball, I'm choosing one of those over football. Exactly. It's a cozy lifestyle. Yeah, you report to work a lot of days of the year, but the games are pretty low impact on on your body. And um, you're on TV the most days of the year out of any professional athlete. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's it's almost a no brainer. Yeah, but also one last thing here before we move to the MLB. Um, like you said about UCF, I mean, I would love to see UCF get in here. I think they kind of deserve to, but at the same time, they're going to, it's going to have to be where like the, the last seed comes down to two lost teams or non-conference champions. I think at that point is when the absolute, if UFC doesn't get in there over a non-conference champion or a two lost team, then I'm going to be furious. And, um, you're, you're probably absolutely right. It'll probably have to come down to death or high water, um, mm-hmm. before they get in. I would I would just love to see them get in for a very evil reason. I just want to see them get in and play Alabama the first game, four and one seed. And I just want to see Alabama beat them a hundred to nothing, just to, just to, just to shut up these UCFers, you know? Like, because I'm I'm almost yeah. tired of seeing it. You know, like let's go ahead and put them in. Let's let, let, let let's invite them to the party. Let's let them have their plate. 
and we'll kick them back down to the kids' table. Yeah, I agree with you on that one completely. Uh, I think UCF should only gets in that way, but I think this will lead to an eight-team playoff. I don't know when the con. I think the contract is either up after this year or next year when they can go year. to eight teams. Yeah, I think you are. I think it's after next year. So, I mean, I would love to see. I think they will go to eight teams. It's more revenue. College football, we all know, think, is all about their money. It would be 10 strictly because of the fact that you can have two um, two bye weeks, two seats yeah. and buys. I no, I can I, get a buy. Yeah, no, I think no matter what way they do it, I think it'll be eight or one and two get by and then the other teams play each other and the next two play them kind of like yeah, how they do yeah. in the NFL. So I think eight, eight teams, the best way to go, but let's move from here now to the MLB Red Sox. Congrats to y'all for winning the world series. That was a big time win. Those, I mean, those world series games were fun to watch, even though I felt like the Red Sox were in control the entire time. But this brings up a huge question here. This team won 108 games. I think that was the, like eighth most wins of all time in a single season. Do you think this is the best team that we saw this decade? Yes, of course. I think this is the best team just because strictly the fact that whenever it came, push came to shove, Mookie Betts didn't have a great series. I think he hit 220. Um, Jackie mm-hmm. Bradley Jr. ended up hitting like 180, 160. He, he had timely hits, but not hits in bulk. And yeah. guys like Steve Pierce came up and hit hit three mm-hmm. home runs just in the World Series alone in, in five games. Should have been four games. So the fact that the Red Sox stockpiled these guys like Eovaldi traded from the Yankees, um, I just feel like they they had the most talent and Alex Cora is going to be a great manager. Um, He doesn't do too much with analytics when he does. It's very time decision based and and it's very in the moment decision based. And um, the Red Sox, this was the most one of the most dominant teams that just wrecked through a whole year that went start to finish. Yeah, they lost to the Rays in opening day, but. They, did, they they went from tape to tape, just crushed everybody. Yeah, so they had one three-game losing streak and or, it was, it was or, sorry, the two three-game losing streaks, and I believe they were – yeah, and they, they were one swept time. one time all season long. So By the Rays. Yeah, so I mean I, – I thought this team, I, I, I thought they were good. I, they just absolutely ran through the entire regular mm-hmm. season. Like they started out so hot out of the gate. They continued through the second half. We almost win the playoffs and we we're like, oh, the Astros are better. The Astros will expose them. I mean, if anything, they expose the Astros. Yeah, they beat God, a team that right, I yes. thought was way better than them. So I thought, that, I mean, I think they're the best team of our generation. I mean, yep. not of our generation, but the ML or the, uh, yeah, decade. I mean, we saw some good teams that like the Dodgers made the playoffs every year since 2013. And I believe they made it back in 2011. So the Dodgers made the playoffs in basically every year, but two years in this decade so far. And you had the, had that um, Giants team that won three times. So oh, oh, only on odd, I mean, years or whatever, like the giant, like that was so weird. Like it was like only like an odd year that they would, they would make the playoffs. Like other than that, they would have like 500 records. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying, man. So yeah. I just feel like what all this team did and everything that they were by far the best team. Like you said, they got the timely hits. I mean, David Price came up huge for them in the postseason. Chris Sale, all Three these. You know this postseason for David Price after starting 0-9 in previous yeah. seasons. He finally got, got it together. It was a pleasure to watch. Yeah. I felt like they dominated everything. Um, I thought Pierce absolutely deserved MVP. I love seeing kind of the unsung hero get it. I like seeing Mookie, though, hit that home run in the last game. Yeah, and hell ultimately, yeah. Get his shit back on track, kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like seeing the best players play the best at the biggest stage. And Martinez did. Mookie didn't really. You know, I thought it was weird when Martinez missed that fly ball at first. Yeah, I was like, me too. 
I was a fan, though, of the way the Dodgers didn't lay down. When the Dodgers lost the first game and Kershaw got shelled, I was like, all right, the Dodgers are getting swept. Like, it's not even going to be close. But, you know, they didn't lay down. They that fought hard. That game, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. After that game was over, I was like, all right, Red Sox for sure win the next game. And what do you know? Red Sox are down 4-0 and come back and win the game. They absolutely opened a can up on them in, yes, in late in that game. Yeah, they killed them. And then, obviously, the last game, they took Kershaw deep in the first inning. I was like, it's over. They still hit a home run. I mean, the Dodgers tried to be resilient. Yeah, I will yeah, get to no. that. Puig, Puig plays hard. I like Puig. Um, I, I, grow, Puig. I, I grow to hate Machado every day because Machado doesn't hustle. Machado barely has any passion. At least he's he plays for something. Yeah, you know, like, at least Puig is like an asshole, like, like like Lance Stevenson is. You know, like you can tell he has passion. He's a, he's a he's a troll, but yeah, like he does that for the gamesmanship. Yeah, no, I, I love players that play with that passion. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the passion Puig plays with. Do I like Puig? Hell no, but I love the passion that Puig plays with. And I think he plays a lot of it. I was really mad at him for what all he was saying about the Braves going in that series, how he wasn't yeah, worried and all that. That's yeah. mainly the reason why I hate Puig, but. It was fun to watch, but let's uh let's move here now to the uh, just the three random questions I'm gonna ask you here before I let you go. Okay. Uh, you got any NBA action for the people tonight? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I have two parlays. I'm actually riding high on the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight. Um, playing for a new head coach, whoever it's gonna be. They they're they're not gonna start zero and seven, even though they started zero and six. So. I've got Cavaliers minus four against the Hawks who are actively trying to lose games. I didn't think the Cavaliers would go in that direction, so they're going to try to win tonight. Um, Same parlay, Kings plus five and a half over the Magic. I think the Magic are still a bad team. The Kings have actually improved personnel-wise. Pistons. De'Aaron Fox looks great. Yes, he does. Uh, Detroit Pistons plus ten and a half. Um, I I think they're playing the Celtics. Yep. So I think that'll be at least a single-digit game. And Toronto Raptors money line. And um, one more parlay that I have is Portland Trailblazers plus four and a half. Um, I forget who they're playing. Um, Clippers plus two against the Thunder. I like the Clippers to beat the Thunder for the second time again this season. The Clippers uh, role players and young guys have just been balling out this year. The Hawks should strive to be like the Clippers. You know, that's the best case scenario for young guys is the Clippers. Um, Wizards plus two against whoever and the trailblazers are playing the Houston Rockets and I actually have that game going to the over at 223. So those okay. are my two parlays I'll, for the night. I like that. I like that. I could definitely see some of that action hitting. Um, so obviously for those of y'all who haven't said this yet, I, we, me and Cohen really haven't said anything about it. We're about to start an NBA podcast here in the next couple of weeks called the association. Uh, I wish we could have started it before the season and wish we had thought of it before the yeah. season. So we could have kind of given out our predictions on there against each other. But who did you pick before the season started to win MVP? MVP. Um, I kind of went away from the whole James Harden, Russell Westbrook, you know, kind of like fight for it every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I didn't think LeBron was going to win it, but just because new team, you know, like he's kind of kind of yeah. want to take a step back role. He wants to get more young guys involved and prove that he can be the player coach that he always wanted to be like outside of Cleveland. Um, I had like a few guys in mind, like I think maybe KD or Steph or like one of the Warriors guys would like put on just a exuberant performance this year and just run through the competition. Maybe a guy like Joe kick, a guy who could take, just take a huge step up and just average 28, 10 and 10 as a big man. Like he does, like he passes so well. Um, and he could carry the nuggets to a real playoff seed this year. Um, or maybe someone like Kimba, maybe could just mm-hmm. take the, take the Hornets, you know, out of the cellar of the East and an embarrassingly bad team. 
maybe he could step up and kind of grab hold of the horns. See, I think that's an interesting take. I don't think any of those guys personally will be able to win MVP. I picked Russell Westbrook just because I think he's going to take the thunder to that two seed in the West. And I think that's really what it comes down to is who's the best player that takes their team to the two seed in the West. Um, I mean, I was actually going to ask you for the next question. If I thought if you think Kimball Walker could win NBA most improved player after averaging 22 a game and making an all-star team. I mean, if he jumps from 22 to 31, I would take him to win most improved. But we'll, we'll debate that in a second. But I actually think Giannis is I mean, I picked With Russell Coach Westbrook. Bud, I said, that, that's a great but, combo. But I mean, the Bucks are undefeated right now. Giannis is clearly doing. I said it would be between those guys, between Davis, LeBron, Westbrook, Giannis, whoever gets their team kind of in that. Even honestly, even Kawhi, whoever gets their team in like that that two to the three that two three seed range and has the best stats out of all of them. I feel like it's whoever makes their team the best, you know. And I feel like that's what's going to determine it between all these superstars. Yeah, so, um, the, the the Raptors have been better than expected this year. So if Kawhi keeps this up. I could definitely see him in the conversation as well. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Raptors though would be this good this year. I think the East has four and a half really solid teams. I think mm-hmm. the Pacers can be solid on certain nights, but I think the Bucks, Sixers, Celtics, and and uh, Raptors are all really solid teams. But going back to that Kimball Walker uh, question, you think he could win NBA Most Improved Player this year? No, um, I think that the players union and the people who vote on this, the media, the writers, us, Mm -hmm. we kind of hold Kemba in a very high regard already. So to say Mm -hmm. that he's most improved meant that he was not held in a high regard. I I, I don't think his career style is worthy of a most improved player. I, I, I think he's already disqualified himself by being so good already. I agree with you on that. I think he's just adjusted to the new playing style of the NBA. See, people were like, oh, the defense is even worse in the NBA this year. The game, there's so much more high scoring. First off, they don't realize these guys are so good now on offense that it's so hard to guard them. To get another possession. Yeah, people are like, oh, James Harden, Steph Curry don't play play defense. Would you rather have James Harden or Steph Curry sit on the bench with four fouls, or would you rather have them in the game doing what they do best in debate? Like, it's so ridiculous. And also, the shot clock has only been going back to 14 seconds now this year, which a lot of the other uneducated NBA fans don't realize, which leads to quicker shots, which Mm -hmm. means a quicker game. You can't get that offensive rebound and kill another 20 seconds and set. You know what I mean? you got to go quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It makes a quicker game, you're play, more you're, scores. You're playing more down. micro possessions than usual, which gives us as fans more offense to celebrate. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I would say let's keep going, but we've gone on for pretty long today, Cohen, and the Hawks just tipped off, so I want to go watch us yep. hopefully uh, beat the Caps for a second time hopefully this season. Not. But it's always a pleasure podcasting with you. All right, Thomas, um, you can find me on the Daily Degenerate podcast. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on all the other shit. Um, Other than that, you guys have a a great day, and hopefully some bets hit for you. Yeah, have a great day, guys. I hope some of y'all's bets hit as well. Follow me on Twitter at Autex. How's it going today, guys? Once again, I'm back here live in the studio. Thomas Penland coming at y'all from Kennesaw, Georgia, for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Friday, November 2nd, and I got a very special guest once again on the line and now regular on the show, Cohen Hughes of the Daily Degenerate Podcast. Cohen, say what's up to the people. Ladies and gentlemen, how's it going? Um, probably mostly gentlemen. I don't see too many ladies partaking in this show. But, yeah, uh, not some, at all. Yeah, some of you may know me as the Johnny Sins of podcasting. Others may know me as the Michael Rappaport of the South. Um, 
very blessed to be to become a small staple on this show. A very um, a guest who does love being on here. Blessed to be hanging out with you on this Friday afternoon. Kind of gloomy outside, but you know we'll take what we can get. Thomas, how's it going? Uh, oh, I'm doing great, man. This is definitely making the afternoon a little less gloomy. You know, I'm really excited today. We got a new segment I'm adding in called the Hot 100, where me and Cohen will both be given basically 100 virtual dollars, and we've placed some bets. So we're going to see what we can do with those. Lots of good stuff coming for y'all there with that, but. I mean, we got it. We're we're talking all weekend matchups. I mean, this is one of the biggest weekends in sports. I can remember the NFL cards stacked, NBA, um, college football. I mean, you got two top ten teams meeting in college football. Let's start with this, Cohen. What game are you most excited for this weekend? Um, except for my Falcons game, of course. Um, I'm probably most excited for it's a tie. Probably Georgia and Kentucky. Um, I am mm-hmm. excited for Bama LSU, of course. But you know, I everyone gets excited for that game every year. Or um, I do like the Rams versus Saints matchup this weekend. Some NFC supremacy is on the line. Wow. Yeah, no, I'd, I'm definitely really hyped for this matchup. I would say my probably favorite one of the weekend is Ravens Steelers, just because that's the most hate rivalry I can think of in mm-hmm. football. But let's start with it. Let's jump right into the meat here. Rams Saints. So the spread right now is at minus two in in New Orleans favor. New Orleans, the home favorite right now. Game opened at minus one. So there's a little bit of movement so far in the Rams. I mean, what are you thinking for this game? I'm thinking Saints outright. Wow. The Rams are due to lose a game, and that's not my only lazy narrative. Um, Saints at home are just a different monster in the Dome. And... I just feel like, yeah, the Rams defense is stacked as hell, but the Saints are probably the second best team in the NFL with execution. So I really do like the Saints to win this matchup. Um, I think it's – I've said Saints money line as well or Saints minus two. I would take either or, but – I'm not really sure if I can just believe in New Orleans in this game. I mean, the Rams are really, really good. They just went out and they added um, – who did they add, add again from the Jags? I can't think. It was the Florida kid. Oh, um, oh Dante Fowler. Fowler. Dante Fowler. Yeah, that's who it was. They went out, they added Dante Fowler. I mean, the Saints give up a good bit of yards. We saw the Falcons put a lot of numbers up on them. The big thing to me is they're at home. And, I mean, we all remember what they did last time they were at home, and they absolutely ran the Redskins out of the building. I mean, I don't think this game's yeah. going to be – this game's going to be a dogfight. Like, I can't – I would kind of wish this game was on at 8 o'clock. This is going to be a much – this is a much better game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is like the fact that we get the Saints – playing the undefeated Rams and the Saints are on fire right now. And then we also get Green Bay at New England. I mean, that's just that's, that's going to be a boxing there. match right there. Mm-hmm. But I think what's going to come down to in this game is quarterback play. And nobody comes into the Superdome and outduels Drew Brees. You know, nope. like, I've, I've doubted Drew Brees way too many times in his career. It's, he's having the season where he puts up the final numbers he needs to submit himself as one of the greatest quarterbacks. I saw him talking today about Michael Vick and all those other quarterbacks that were taken in those drafts around the same time as him. And if you had said Drew Brees is going to be the best player out of that draft, like, you you know, like you'd, mm-hmm. you'd be like, shut up, dude. Like, he's yeah, not, get the hell out of here, you know? Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. It's one of those things. So I think Drew Brees is going to go off. Um, the Rams' big thing is if Cooper Cup plays, I believe right now he is in, and that is the go-to target of Jared Goff. But mm-hmm. it's going to it's going to be a really good coaching matchup too. You know, big chess match just because McVay, in my opinion, top three coach in the league. He won them that game at the end, and also you get on the other side, you got Sean Payton. Sean Payton, who I hate to say it because I. As much as his calls are eccentric and weird, they seem to work about 80% of the time. 
just mm-hmm. n- not empirically breaking it down, but just about 75 to 80% of the time, Sean Payton just seems to really know what he's doing and he looks really comfortable out there. I'd also be willing to bet that begrudgingly, Sean Payton is a top five coach in this league as well. Yeah, I really like the the over in this game as well. I mean, the Saints are giving up 26.1 points in, per game. That's 23rd in the league. So, I mean, they're way, way down there. Mm-hmm. This game's going to be a high-scoring shootout. Like you said, the Rams do have lots of good players. They do give up lots of yards. They're, bit, they're a big-time bin, but don't, don't break defense. But Drew Brees is a lot more disciplined than a lot of the other quarterbacks they play. To go into his house and beat him is, you know, like that's that's one of the hardest things. Tall order. He's a football player. For, yeah, if I went in the Superdome and beat Drew Brees, I'd be like, all right, like, we, you we know, play with get out of this one. Yeah, if the Rams get out of this one, like, I don't see any way they don't win the Super Bowl. They might be, in, in my opinion, the best team in the league if they can get out of this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, by far, they're the best team in the league. They can escape mm-hmm. New Orleans I mean, with a win. Get, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they've they've gotten so many good wins. I'm really looking forward to them versus the Chiefs later on the season. That game's going to be too. crazy. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's – it's going to be a fun matchup for sure. I really want to see Jared Goff. I feel like I need to see he I need to be convinced by Jared Goff. He's doing a really good job. I'm all bought into this kid. I mean, I thought he was going to be a beast when he came out and he's definitely lived up to his hype, but I just need to see Jared Goff do it in the big game. I was about to say I haven't looking back on it, I haven't seen Jared Goff play in many extremely hostile environments and mm-hmm. the spotlight like this. Um this will be a very good test for him. Um, I really do think that golf probably has a good game, but maybe the one pick that he throws might, might get the Saints in position to outlast him by a possession. Saints out. Yeah, I mean he's he's thrown 17, 17 touchdowns a season, five interceptions. So I mean he's got a decent ratio. I could definitely see a big interception. It's just like with Atlanta last year, the Rams were way more talented than we were. I thought that Atlanta and the Rams are the two best were probably rosters in the NFL, and then the Eagles mm-hmm. and both those teams couldn't get past him just because of coaching and stuff. So, I mean, I've, I think this is kind of a learning game. Even if the Rams lose, no matter what, I think this is a big game for them because Huge. either way, they're going to learn something new about their football team. So, yep. for the, I just feel like I just feel like the more experienced New Orleans side gets it done. Me too. It's definitely going to be fun to watch. We'll move here to the obviously the biggest matchup of the weekend. They put it in prime time, so it automatically makes it that heavyweight battle, if you will, with me here. Green Bay at New England. I mean, it's going to be a wild one. Spreads New England minus five. Who are you taking? If it's New England minus five, um, I'd probably take Packers uh, just to cover maybe the field goal or something. Um, Also, wouldn't be surprised if Bill Belichick just completely outclasses Mike McCarthy and just runs his team up up and down the field. But I just don't see that happening realistically. Um, I would say... Packers probably cover, but still lose. Yeah, um, I I agree with you completely on this one. Packers will cover. They won't win the game, though. Plus five. I'm taking it. Uh, You'll see that y'all see that later on in the show. But I'm going to agree with you. I think Mike Mike McCarthy's biggest problem is he really holds the Packers back with coaching. I don't understand how they haven't fired him yet. Like, in my opinion, McCarthy's really screwing them over. Like, look at all these mistakes. I can think of multiple times where players have done stuff that they're not supposed to. Like, for example, they told Ty Montgomery, like you said last week, to knee the ball. Like, I just feel like he's being outcoached in all these other games, and that's mm-hmm. why – I mean, Belichick's just so much better coach. Like, imagine if Belichick and, and Rodgers were together. Just imagine how good that matchup would be. 
I think the, the like that's like a Thanos situation. Like they wouldn't let the world be that powerful. You know, they they had to separate the two so so we wouldn't get this football monster that is the two greatest fo- football minds in the world. So let's yeah. let's let, let's be glad that Bill got Tom, the ultimate 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 system quarterback who can play the system better than anybody else. But let's just be be glad they found each other because if Belichick had Rodgers, I don't think there would be any team that would win a Super Bowl besides whatever team they were on. I completely agree with you on this. I'm glad somebody else is on the same page as me. You know, like I get a lot of grief from people for thinking the same way, but he even said it earlier in the week. Did you hear what he said? He was like, Oh, if Rogers had my, had Belichick as his coach, they would win every season. They've already had yeah. seven rings. I yeah. mean, that's literally saying I'm a system player. Yeah. Like, come on now guys. That's, that's also, that's also mind warfare by Tom, you know, to try to play the nice guy, play, take the high road. And then whenever game time comes on, you crush his neck. But realistically Tom knows Tom is painfully self-aware and um, I mean, hell Tom Brady was not even the convincing starter at Michigan whenever he played there, you know, like he was a sixth round draft pick. Like Tom knows Brady found Tom, Tom found Brady or Bill found Tom and you know, all that. But let's be glad that the monster that is Belichick and Rogers didn't end up in the same force because that would have been, uh, more than a dynasty that would have been unstoppable mm-hmm. yeah I agree with you completely on that I mean also looking at the matchup itself um, I, it's going to be big if Sonny Michelle plays I know he hasn't I don't know if he's been ruled I officially in or in. out yet I don't think there's any official word but I think he is in because I mean, they absolutely need him. Like they can, he's the most crucial player to them for me. Because mm-hmm. the Patriots were kind of bad there at the start. And that was what they're using all these other running backs. They really had no offensive flow, but they kind of found their players. You know, they bring in Josh Gordon, they get back Edelman, they get Gronk on the field, they get Sony Michelle in there running, carrying the rock. By the way, I knew Sony Michelle was going to be this good in the league. So, oh yeah, he's he was he was the always the, the the better pro fit at Georgia. Chubb was always the power back, and Sony was the better pro spread wingtip kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, like. He was he was the guy that we we saw him being drafted lower than Chubb, but we knew that he could work out just as well, if not better. Yeah, Sonny Michelle is still questionable, but no, I agree with you on that completely. I mean, Chubb was always better when he was not the feature back, when he was the secondary back, because when they had Gurley as their feature back, Chubb ran behind him and Chubb balled out. That oh was when everyone, I remember as a freshman, I went to that Clemson yeah. game, and at the end of the game, they were handing the ball to him, thinking he's just going to go down, and he was running people over, breaking four or five tackles. So, I mean, I agree. I think Sonny Michelle's completely changed his team. He's played the way he did in college, and he's he's a baller. Like he was going to be, he was challenging Barkley for Rookie of the Year. So. Sony Michelle's putting up numbers. I think if he's in, it's going to be a lot different game. But I mean, if they have yeah. to run Cordero Patterson in there at running back, then and Edelman and stuff, all that, you know, like all those places yeah. against the Bills, the Packers will win this game outright. Don't sleep on that. Nope. Um, I also do think the Packers had a little bit worse over the trade deadline, trading away Kaha Clinton Dix. And yes. no, no matter no matter how bad the mistake was, Ty Montgomery's still a decent little running back, passing, catching back in the NFL. Um, they got a little bit worse. Over over the week, but hey, it's football. You know that whole next man up mentality could prove the next Le'Veon Bell is on the sidelines. You know, mm-hmm. no, I agree with you completely. Packers got to step up. I think they will. I mean, Jair Alexander, the rookie corner for them, he has absolutely been balling out. So I mean, I just look for him to keep balling out. The Clay Matthews, um, Blake Martinez getting the backfield a little Martinez bit. Martinez had a good year. Mm-hmm. He, I think he leads the team in tackle. <clears throat> he leads the team in yeah. tackles if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah, usually the middle linebacker of a team that plays high scoring games, you know, always gets lots of always gets lots of tackles. But let's move here to let's talk Seahawks Chargers before we hit the last two on here. So Seahawks Chargers spread right now. Seahawks minus one is the favorite. I'm gonna take the Chargers in this game. The Chargers ever since kind of when I believe it was week two. Ever since then, the Chargers have completely changed up how their entire season has gone. Phillip Rivers, to me, is one of the most slept-on quarterbacks in the league. I, this is kind of the battle of the sleeper quarterbacks to me. Russell Wilson and Phillip Rivers do not get the respect they deserve. Yeah, it was after that Rams loss in week three. Yeah. Chargers have been absolutely on fire. They have won um, four games in a row. Yep. Looking to make it five here at Seattle. I mean, Seattle's a hostile environment. If it was in San Diego, I'd feel really It'd good be about a lot. the Chargers. But a lot of things can happen wrong in Seattle. But I think Philip Rivers is experienced. He'll come out and throw all over this team. But looking at it from a, from a um, Seahawks perspective, this team has nothing. Yep, nothing. It's They're just Russell Wilson. And DJ Moore. You know, like, who would have thought that DJ Moore would be the fucking feature back or the feature wide receiver in Seattle? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Tyler Lockett, he doesn't necessarily run the number one routes. I feel like he's, I mean, Doug Baldwin hadn't been doing anything. He's on my fantasy team. Like, Doug Doug Baldwin, you just screwed me over, man. Let's get it going, baby. But... No, I mean, it's it's definitely weird how this offense takes shape. I mean, t- Russell Wilson's coming off two – ever since he's lost beast mode, he's had the worst run support of any quarterback in the league. He's had the worst offensive line play of any quarterback in the league. By I far, mean, we did, by we far. Maybe Andrew week. Luck holds a candle to maybe bad O-lines, but truthfully, yeah. Wilson has just had the shit back there, you know? Mm-hmm. And like we said last week, there's only three rosters that don't have better weapons. So that's their tight end, running backs, receivers that we wouldn't take over Seattle. Only three that we wouldn't take over Seattle. So yeah. And you got to get him some help. Yeah. I mean, David Moore was balling out this last week for them. That just goes to show you how they literally have not have nothing. This guy went to East Central University. Like well, nobody yeah. even knows who that is. So this game is an absolute coin flip. If you ask me. Not just in my mind, but in Vegas's mind, hence the uh, one-point spread. Mm-hmm. But maybe the coin tilts a little bitty bit because Seahaw- the Seahawks are at home. Um, if you put a gun to my head, I'd say Seahawks, strictly because it's a coin flip and it's a home game. So that's who you give the advantage to. Um, Phillip Rivers is definitely so underrated. He's on my fantasy team, and I do like the Chargers as a team. But um, if you put a gun to my head, I think I'm, I'm taking Seahawks in this one. See a big thing that helps me here pick pick the Chargers is the fact the Chargers are off a of bye week. Ah, you know I feel like, I feel like that's big time right there. The fact that they're off the bye week, um, it's it's definitely gonna be a tough game. But I just feel like Philip Rivers is a gunslinger. They're hot. They're coming off bye week. Gordon's been um, hot too. Their defense, mm-hmm, their defense has been playing a little bit better as well. Like they've really been holding teams under. Like they abs. Like they've held held their last two opponents under twenty points. Um, I'm, you know, Gorvin, Gordon, I believe, is playing. He set that last game out. Joey Bosa is doubtful right now, so I mean that's going to be big too. Is if Joey Bosa can play. Um, and and to, to imagine what LA could be doing if they had Hunter Henry, you know, and like some mm-hmm. of the defensive guys that got injured in the offseason. Like the Chargers are always hit with injuries and bad luck in terms of the injury front. But imagine if they had these guys, they'd be a clear cut favorite in the AFC, maybe just as good as the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I no, I agree with that one completely. I think, uh, I mean, I like their roster. Like, the, realistically, when they lost the Chiefs that first week, I was huge on the Chargers. I was like, all right, everyone go Chargers money line. Like, Chargers gonna win this game. Pat Mahomes completely, you know, surprising. Real, look at their two losses. They lost to the Rams and to the Chiefs. Like, that's mm-hmm. 
Two very yeah, quality losses. Time right there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's gonna be a fun game. Like that, like, I'm gonna have two TVs on. I'm not yeah, I'm not. like I could care less about watching that Cardinals or whoever it is. Now that me and you were talking about it, I I, I think I 100% am gonna turn this game on and watch it intently. Yeah, and the good thing about it is this game starts at 4:05, and the and the Rams Saints game starts at 4:25. So they'll kind of 20 be minutes of free football. So you can. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, you'll have a nice little change-up. Like, you could watch the end of this one, and then right as that one ends, the the meat of the – you know, like the mm-hmm. stretch of the other game will be happening. Yep. Nope, that game's a complete right. coin flip. If you put a gun to my head, Seattle. Yeah, I've got, I'm taking the taking the Chargers in this one, but I would go money line regardless of what you do on this one. Next game we'll talk about is Steelers at Ravens. Uh, it opened at Ravens minus three, and now they're at minus two. I know that there is line movement on the Steelers, but I'm be honest with you. I'm going with the Ravens, man. The Ravens play good in this series. It really doesn't matter between these two teams who's at home and who's away unless the other team gets up big. Because, I mean, Steelers-Ravens, I feel like, is always tight. Nobody yep. ever blows the other team out. You know, It's mm-hmm. it's a hate rivalry. It is. Now, the Steelers did play bad last time, so I think they're going to come up ready to play. But the Ravens have really struggled the last two weeks. So that's one of my main reasonings for picking the Ravens. And I feel like they've done a good job of kind of getting Lamar Jackson and in there and stuff. See, the big thing you have to ask yourself here is, are the Ravens falling apart or are they not? What are you, what are you thinking? I don't. I don't think they're falling apart. I think their roster is built a little differently from years past. They are pretty stacked. I wouldn't say pretty, kind of stacked. Um, their defense is really stacked. Yeah, I, I, I can actually see them, I mean, getting this together. I could definitely see them winning on Sunday, but um, I actually do have Steelers plus two right now. Any Mike Tomlin coach team that's hot and his dogs, you can give me that. Yeah, I mean, it's a good bet. Like you said, I mean, I think this game's pretty much a coin flip as well. I'm surprised mm-hmm. it's not more of a pick It's only because the Ravens are at home and you know how big of a rivalry it is. Mm-hmm. So they're always going to do about three points or so. Yep. But I mean, the Ravens were the dogs when they went to Pittsburgh. So, I mean, the dog does have yep. a lot of value mm-hmm. in this series. No doubt about that. I just feel like, man, this Ravens defense, I mean, it's one of the best mm-hmm. units in the league right now. They've ranked fifth in yards. Points per game, they rank up there with the best of them as well as they sit at number one. So, I mean, the Ravens Ravens are doing something right here. It's, they I are. don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game, which is why that I kind of like the Ravens more so because I don't think the Steelers' defense is that great. Uh, no, they're not. Um, I think people forget that going into that Falcons game where the Steelers pretty much blew us out, the Steelers' off our defense was being compared to our defense. Like just, just about bad, holy as hell, allows bulk yardage, bulk points, maybe is opportunistic to give them a compliment. But mm-hmm. they they really don't force that many turnovers, but they also don't give it away a lot. So you can kind of put the turnover margin in their favor, you know, kind of spin it right. But really, the Steelers' defense is not that good. Um, Ravens' defense has been playing lights out this year. Um, I actually do think that this game goes over the 47 points. Whenever I see 47 points in an NFL game, um, especially between two rivalry teams, my first instinct is to bet the over. I actually have Steelers plus two and the over as part of one of our parlays that's going through um, on this Sunday. And I just really think the Steelers will be able to, you know, even win this game outright. Uh, I just see, I just don't have as much confidence in Pittsburgh as you do. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're hot. I like this team, but I just really have to go with Baltimore here, man. I just feel like Joe Flacco, especially the way they lost the last two weeks, Justin Tucker missing that field goal. I mean, they had New Orleans. They were going to beat that game in overtime. And Mm -hmm. that, that game was coming down to whoever won the coin flip, whoever won the coin flip was winning that game. So, 
I feel like they're pissed off about that. You know, they came out slow against the Panthers. The Panthers threw the ball over them in the first half, moved the field really well. I think they're going to come out frustrated, and their defense is bound to play better this week. I mean, I'm pissed off, honestly, the NFL put all these good games this week. Like, I can't watch all four games. You know what I mean? I can't watch two games at a time, two different hours. Especially at at one, even the 1 p.m. slot is really good. Like, Falcons versus Redskins is going to be like a very underrated game. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a really, really good game. I I, it's, I can try to watch six games at once, but you know, like it, it'll be tough. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely gonna be focused on the Falcons, but I, this game's gonna be high scoring. I do agree with you on that. I think both teams will come out kind of flying. I think Baltimore will get up and Pittsburgh will come back. If Pittsburgh wins, it'll be via a comeback. If the spread were to go back to three, I would feel a little bit better about Pittsburgh by a whole, you know, by that uh-huh. field goal. Mm-hmm. I think that could yeah. be about the final score, but. At minus two, I got to take Baltimore. That's pretty much a money line pick them to me at that point. So I'm got to go Baltimore in this one. It's going to be a good game, but let's talk about it. I know we both want to. Falcons at Redskins. I got Falcons plus one and a half. I know you're going to have Falcons plus one and a half. What are you no thinking way. about this game? Um, I'm thinking that I heard on the radio the uh, Redskins have only scored 24. They, they, they haven't scored over 24. This year, and I think they, they never give up more than 24. So, um, yeah, they haven't def- given up more than 20. So, so anywhere from 21 to 24 is our magic number for this game. Um, I do think we'll hit that easily. I think this will be a convincing win for the Falcons, even though um, Redskins will probably make it a game in the first half. I just think that um, the Falcons do have a lot to prove. And then now we're starting to finally see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're starting to see, hey, maybe this grueling schedule that we just got through playing, if we can make make it out of it 500 and play even football, it's a sprint to the end of the race. And then we got a lot of games at home, a lot of late division games. I feel like we could really play ourselves into a playoff spot if we win this game. I think the guys know it too. Falcons win probably 35-21. See, I think the key matchup of this game is going to be basically both defenses against the run. The Redskins have the second-ranked run defense in the NFL, so we know they're going to try to stuff us. I mean, they've shut, they've held Christian McCaffrey under 50 yards rushing. They did it to Saquon Barkley. They did it to Kamara. They don't give up any. I mean, they gave up 43 points to the Saints, but, I mean, they shut yeah. down that run game. They weren't letting them run the ball on them. This nope. run defense is for real. I mean, they did the same thing to Ezekiel Elliott. I believe he only had, like, 58 yards. or He he did not have a good – he did not have a Zeke day on the ground. Nope, at all. That's for sure. He scored on so one screen touchdown, but it was a pass. Yeah, he had 33 yards rushing. Yep. So, I mean, this run defense is absolutely like they're they're for real. I mean, we're going to have to I think we're going to have to pass the ball. We're going to have to run the ball in obvious run situations. I think we need to pass every first down. Obviously, we're going to have to run the ball and take the L's on that. But keep them honest. We got to move the ball. I mean, and on the other side, we have a decent run defense as well. We're ranked 15th in the league right now for considering all the people we have out. We had to play that one game without Grady Jarrett. So I think having Grady Jarrett back in there, we can stop the run game with Adrian Peterson. Chris Thompson is doubtful with ribs, which is huge that's, for me that, as that, well. That, that, that's because, great for us, if so. Yeah, think about think about like Kamara, McCaffrey, all these Saquon Barkley, all these pass catching backs. They absolutely ate all over Atlanta. So I mean, Kim, Chris Thompson is is all, he's in the same category. He's the bottom. He's probably like the B minus out of all those guys to the yeah, B. But he's. He's real, but I, so like that's huge right there. I think if we can stuff Adrian Peterson, we win this football game. But I'm not gonna lie, it I I think it's gonna be a close game. Like I think Atlanta wins 24-21 or 24-20. I'm not a big Alex Smith believer. I think he's better at the beginning of the season than he is at the end every single year. I think he is simply a turnkey engine for any offense. Um, 
if you put him in conservative mode, like what Jay Gruden is doing, because Jay Gruden is an old school classic football mind, I think that he's going to throw the ball five yards um, ahead of the line of scrimmage every time. He's going to throw screens. He's going he's to run the ball. He's going to run design QB options. You know, he's he's going to play the minimalist quarterback position. And um, I think that the way that the Falcons are structured and built on defense, I don't think that he'll be able to get anything over the top of us. I think that plays into our favor. Um, I get it. Alford's not going to play. Um, Isaiah Oliver looked about horrible, horrible, horrible in Pittsburgh. And, and I'll admit it. Um, Dan Quinn put him in really He's bad spots. He's played better, though. He, and he has played better. Dan Quinn put him in a real bad spot against Antonio Brown one-on-one for most of the day against Pittsburgh. I'll go ahead and say it. Um, I do feel like their conservatism on offense really plays well into our guys getting maybe an early pick and um, really getting sparked in that game. Yeah, um, I'm going to – I don't know. It's tough for me. I think Dan Quinn – I know you hate Dan Quinn for the coach he is and stuff. I think Dan Quinn is actually a much better coach at this point. Uh, He has made some bad calls, but he's also made some big-time calls the Mm -hmm. last couple of weeks. I agree. Like kicking kicking that field goal. I mean, pretty much those field goals the last couple of weeks have saved – have ended up saving our ass at the end of the game. I mean, Mm -hmm. we didn't kick that field goal. We would have lost the Giants because they went down the field so fast. But – He's made the most with his players. He said that he didn't want to go out and get other guys. He's big into the brotherhood. He's been into believing his guys, and look how they are now. His guys have won the last two weeks. They've, play, they've played well in a lot of these games. They should have won a lot of these games. So I really like what Dan Quinn's done with this football team, and I think that I think we get the win. Um, I'll say this about Dan Quinn. Um, he plays his best football. He coaches his best football with his back against the wall. The Falcons always seem to play our best football with a back against the wall. Um, mm-hmm. He seems to have responded in the last few weeks. I'll be I'll be 100% transparent with you just because of the classical football mind that I am. I I would have punted that football. I wouldn't have trusted a free agent kicker off the streets his first week back with a 54-yarder. But that, 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 that shows I was wrong. You know, like that was absolutely the right decision to kick the field goal in hindsight. Uh, Tavecchio nailed it, would have made it from 62. And um, – I will say this, Dan Quinn's guys have been playing a whole lot better this week. There haven't been as many missed tackles. There haven't been as many missed assignments. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been the yards and the points that have been given up, but it's been honest, almost. You know, like, it's been honest yards that they earned. It's not missed tackles and missed assignments and guys getting blown up here. You know, like, it's better sound defensive football. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. This matchup's going to be fun to watch. Can't wait. Be by my TV early on Sunday morning, but let's move along here. Hey, uh, there's a London game this week, right? Um, no, there's not. Okay. I'm pretty sure the winning games are over at this point. Thank God. Um, really? Yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a big London fan. Oh, I, I'm a huge I love nine thirty AM football. Uh, it's, it's a little early for me. And on top of that, like the chargers are playing in a London game. Like they're a West coast team. How are you going to do that yeah. to the market? You know? <laughs> yeah. That is like, I'm, someone did say to me, the chargers have no fans, but I'm not going to lie. If I would live down in San Diego, I'd be a diehard chargers fan. Yeah, so yeah. I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty pissed about it, but let's move here now to college football. I mean, we got any weekend, you got two top 10 college football matchups. I mean, you got huge matchups. So let's get down to it. What's your thoughts here for Georgia versus Kentucky right now? Kentucky is sitting at plus nine, number nine, or number six, uh, Georgia versus number nine, Kentucky. Um, I'm a huge Kentucky believer. I have nine and a half on my book. I'll probably buy up maybe to 10, 10 and a half. Just, just mm-hmm. depending on if I parlay the pick or not, just so I can get the push. Um, mm-hmm. 
I'm really, 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 really thinking Georgia does not have a great offensive identity. Cheney is a suspect OC. I really feel like a lot of Georgia fans don't like him. I, I, Georgia's talent is they're deep. They're not as maybe as star-spangled and bannered as maybe the talent of Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson and those guys. But they have a lot of talent. Um, Kirby Smart's a great coach, probably top five coach in the NCAA. Um I can see Georgia definitely losing this game. I don't 100% think so, of course. I think Georgia probably squeaks, squeaks this one out by maybe four or five points. But if we're talking about from a betting perspective, I am definitely taking Kentucky nine and a half, ten, ten and a half. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, Kentucky's defense has been amazing. I mean, this is the number one, like we said, number one scoring defense in college football is in. They give up like 13 points per game. That's how good this defense is. So yeah. scoring on them is not going to be easy. We all know Georgia's offense isn't one of those great offenses. So I think Georgia gets the win. I mean, like you were telling me earlier, Vince Dooley was saying that this is the biggest game can Kentucky since 1960. I mean, I think Kentucky comes out firing. I just think Kirby outcoaches them and they get outmatched. I think this is kind of the big game. You know, like this is like Georgia had a letdown against LSU. I expect them. I think that LSU game got them ready for this Kentucky game because I think had they beaten LSU, they'd probably lose to Kentucky this week, which would be a big time. You know what I mean? I feel like I agree. That's one of these two games. That's a beneficial loss to lose that early in the season and to lose to probably the best team you'll play in LSU. I I, great take. I like that. Yeah, I mean, LSU is number three in the first college football playoff rankings. So, I mean, that's not a bad loss at all. I mean, you, went in, you, went into, you were on the road, too. Yeah, that's you a, would that's rather lose to loss. LSU yeah. than Kentucky. Kentucky will probably mm-hmm. end up being ranked in the 17, 18 to 24 or so range. Losing to LSU, if you're trying to squeak into the playoff, losing to LSU is way better losing to Kentucky. Yeah, I think Kentucky's going to continue with the same trend here, not give up another or not allow over 20 points to another team. I think 20 to 14, Georgia wins in a low scoring, ugly ball game. These kickers are going to get a, these hunters better stretch that leg nice. They're going to get a big workout. So I'm predicting 20 to 14 dogs. I'm taking Kentucky plus nine here. It's going to be a big time matchup at 3:30, but then we turn right around. We got another one on at eight. Bama at LSU. I mean, it's number one team in the nation versus number three. I know you're an Alabama fan, so I'll let you get. So I'll let you give you give your take second here, real quick. Um, I mean, two with Aguilera and this Alabama offense is unreal. I mean, Alabama's offense. Yeah, it's never like they never have that defense to go with that offense. It's almost unfair. It's like they got a Big 12 offense to go with what they have. I'm taking Alabama outright. Um, y'all will hear later about my lock of the week, but Alabama first half, I'll throw every dollar you have. Put your house on it, Alabama yeah. first half. Alabama will come out firing early in this game. I think the bye week favors LSU a little bit more than Alabama just because they're already so good. But at the same time, too, Alabama wished they played last week. A little bit know, of an like, Saban, Saban wished yeah. he played last week for a tune-up game. You know, like, it's not like – like I'm a, I, I, I think along the same lines as Stephen A. Smith. He ranked the top five college football teams this year as Alabama, 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 and Alabama. So I think the Alabama is huge, a step and above, and then some above any other team in the nation. I do think if, if, if they get beat, this is the team to do it. LSU is great defensively. Um, I don't think Ed Orgeron is a great tactical coach. I don't think he's going to outcoach Nick Saban, but the guys do seem to play for him and love him. Um, I think the LSU – Maybe, maybe makes this a game on the scoreboard. But when we watch the game and when you see the score and the time of what it is, I don't think this ends up being much of a game at all. I think this is going to be a game where Alabama maintains a 
13 to 15 point lead all game. And then maybe LSU scores once at the end to like keep it like within 10. But then again, that's even kind of far fetched to me. Yeah, I say Alabama uh, 38 to 14 or 17, something like that. I really think I just think they're so much better than everybody else. I think they're in a league of their own. I feel like somebody like Oklahoma honestly has a better chance against them just because they can throw the ball and, and just, just the way they move the ball in offense. I feel like you have to. I think Clemson knows their best matchup personally. Yeah, um, I will say the 14 and a half point spread is kind of confusing for this game. Um, especially because it, this could be one of those games that is the with the nine to six Alabama lost to LSU that one time. You know, like did like with they the, didn't have Tua then. Yeah, but they didn't have Tua, of course. But LSU's defense is is ball hog. Tua, I'll put a lock on this. If you're into props, Tua will throw his first interception this week. Ooh, actually, you know what? I bet there's a lot of value in him not throwing an interception. I kind of agree with you, though. He probably will throw an interception, but Tua is head and shoulders better than any player in college football. Him and Kyler Murray are in a league of their own. They will are. Greer is some weeks, but at the same time, he turns around and throws four interceptions against Kansas. I just really can't buy into him as much as I, you know, I just can't buy into him like those other guys, but I think McKenzie Milton is the third best quarterback after that. That's just I my do like McKenzie opinion, Milton. He played, but, he played a hell of a game last night. Oh, hell of a game last night. He, he got, that Timble put up a good fight against them last night. I he got that, he, but. he he got hit super hard going into the end zone. And like got got helicoptered mm-hmm. like, like like Matt Ryan did in like week two. But that was a great game that he played last night. Great little Thursday night game, if you ask me. Yeah, no, I was loving watching that game. I really didn't want to see UCF go down, but. I say we hit it. It's time, baby. The Hot 100, new Let's segment go. right here. Me and Cohen, like I said earlier, we get 100 virtual dollars each. So we'll start here with our picks. Cohen, since you're the guest, I'll let you go first. Give me your first pick for your $100. All right. Um, my first pick, if I'm a betting man, my heart and my, my mind are two different things. If I'm a betting man, I would say I'd throw 10 bucks on LSU and Bama, Bama to cover the 14 and a half. Um, I got another ten dollars on Kentucky and Georgia. I got Kentucky plus nine and a half. Um, mm-hmm. I got a twenty dollar tonight, Friday night NBA lock parlay: Thunder plus two, Raptors minus eleven and a half, Pacers minus eight, and Jazz money line. I know the Jazz are missing Mitchell, but I mean, you could probably even, even pick the spread, and they'd probably. Um, I think it's who the Mavericks tonight. The Jazz have like it's going to be. No, it's the uh, Grizzlies. Grizzlies. Okay, yeah. The Grizzlies have stolen a few wins so far this year, but yeah, Not tonight. And then I have a Saturday night NBA parlay. Not as many games on. Um, Ten bucks on this one. Celtics minus one and a half. And, the, and that game goes over 207 and a half. So that's, okay. the, that's one of the lowest overs I've seen all year. And um, Lakers plus three and a half and then under 238. I think the Lakers are playing somebody good. I forgot. I honestly forgot who they're playing tomorrow night. Um, and then my prime time college parlay sa- uh, Saturday evening, I guess you could say Nebraska plus 21 and a half Georgia tech minus five and a half Ooh. that game over 57. And then um, I got BYU plus 13 and a half to stay, stay in it. And then my Sunday NFL parlay, Falcons money line, you know what it is, rise up. Chiefs minus four and a half, Steelers plus two, and that game goes over 47. And um, I do have one more college parlay to complete my 100 bucks. Virginia minus six and a half. This is uh, uh, for Friday night's games. 
Virginia minus six and a half, that game over 27 or 47 and a half. And then Arizona minus three and a half over 58 for that game. Interesting. I like it. I like it. We'll see if all that hits. We'll also see here with mine. My picks are I've got 50 to win 45 on the Alabama first half. The spread is not out yet, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you all this. If it's at seven or seven and a half, buy it down to six and a half. But other than that, write it no matter what. I'm telling you, Bama will come out hot. They'll come out firing in this game. There's undefeated. So, you know, as they say, Alabama first half till it don't hit, baby. That's where we're riding. Roll time on that one. So. Yeah, let it roll, let it roll. Next, I'm doing Vikings minus five. They have the Lions at home. They kind of had a letdown last week against the Saints on uh, Monday night, or Sunday night football. I was really pissed off about that game. Kirk Cousins threw the interception fumble by Thielen in the red zone. I mean, they blew that one. I have 11 to win 10 on that one. Then I have uh, Packers versus um, Patriots. I got the over in that one, 11 to win 10. It's the 13th ranked scoring offense versus the fourth. Packers have 13th. Patriots are the fourth. Both teams are giving up over 23 points per game. So I expect there to be a lot of points in this one, kind of like the Chiefs uh, Patriots game was last uh, or a couple Sundays ago. Probably the best game of the season so far. My next pick, I have Syracuse minus six and a half. It opened at minus four. So that means there's lots of sharp action on Syracuse which is what you like to see um they are at home this week versus a uh, versus a or actually no they're on the road at Wake Forest I mean Wake Forest that was awful they're 118th in the NCAA in total defense they give up 36 points per game which has God. them ranked at 120th I mean it's over 77 so you know they're going to give up a ton they just destroyed NC State last week up in the Carrier Dome so I got 11 to win 10 on that one then I got Texas A&M plus three and a half. That opened at six as well. So that means lots of sharp action coming in at Texas A&M. They're on the road at Auburn this week. Uh, they kind of had a bad loss last week, I feel like, at Mississippi State. I've got 11 to win 10 this one. I mean, if you look at all the stats, these teams are similar on players on uh, on paper. But at, this, on, at the end of the day, better coach for Texas A&M. And on top of that, I think they have a better roster. So I got Texas a this one. Last one. Here it is, guys. The big one. My power play parlay. 10 to win 58 right here. I took some of the biggest money lines of the weekend that I like the most. That I think are my most confident locks. So we're going Georgia money line. Jazz money line. That's for tonight at home versus when they're at home versus the Grizzlies. Vikings money line. Syracuse money line. And then I got Bears money line. Panthers money line. And Chiefs money line. So... All those teams, heavy favorites. The Bears are at home this week, 10-point favorites, I believe, versus the Browns. Um, Panthers are at home versus the Buccaneers, also big-time favorites. And the Chiefs or – or, or actually, I think I messed up. I think the Chiefs play the Browns this week. Yeah, uh, yes, it is. Chiefs yeah, the Bears, the Browns. Yeah, the Bears are at the Bills, actually. Okay, yep. That's what it is. I mean – yeah, that's a, so that's my that's my power play parlay right there. We'll see if that hits, but I'm excited for all these games this weekend. I can't wait to see what happens. Me too. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, the next episode I'm on, we will compare our two cards per se with our virtual hundred dollars. We will see who won more money. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens from week in and week out. We'll keep up with it each week. Cohen will come on on Thursdays or. Whoever to send me picks at least so he can keep up with what he does for his hundred with his hundred every week. And yeah, it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to see what happens here. But we'll move in now to the last segment of this podcast today. It's our three NBA questions here for each other. Do a little quick uh, a little uh lightning round action kinda. So my first question for you is is it absurd to say Donovan Mitchell could win NBA MVP this year? Um, it is absurd. I still think that the league kind of doesn't have their narrative all the way to him yet. Um mm-hmm. 
and he plays so kind of inefficient some games. Like, it'll, he'll be 17 for 38. He'll be 10 for 21, you know. Like, it's kind of like, eh, kind of chucks too much. Um, mm-hmm. Let's wait and see what the playoff seeds are. If he if he can get us to the two seed, then we, me and you might have a, be having a completely different conversation. I like it. Um, so what is your take on the Sacramento Kings this year? They are six and two so far, have stolen a lot of games. They also they, they have a quality loss against the Jazz first game of the season. This Kings team is looking pretty good. Um, I actually really like this team. Willie Colley Stein's averaging over 17 points per game this season, which is really good. I mean, I watched the unfortunately, I watched the entire Kings Hawks game last night. They absolutely destroyed us. They set a record for State Farm slash Phillips Arena for the most points scored in a game at 146. We could not stop them to save our lives. But Deer and Fox is the biggest difference to me. Triple and double. It's yeah, it's not just because of him scoring. I mean, he had 31 points last night. It's because he has 15 assists and 10 rebounds. That means he's getting everybody involved. He was efficient. He was 10 for 11 from the free throw line, 9 for 13 from the field. I mean, De'Aaron Fox is taking his game to the next level. He's averaging 19 points per game, 7.8 assists. So he's doing a great job of being an all-around point guard and not just a ball handler. He's got a nice wingspan, too, where he can get a lot of steals. So I think De'Aaron Fox's emergence as a superstar player has made a big deal, and obviously adding Marvin back. I mean, the Kings are going to be good, man. Bagley yep. and Fox could be a could be an all star duo. I mean, that could be one of the best duos in the league. I think Bagley's going to be like the next Chris Bosh type player, and in this kind of league, he could score thirty a game. So yeah. this this combination this it's a nice combination. But I'll get my next question for you here is how do you or out of all the coaches in the NBA. I personally have Mike Budenholzer as my fourth best coach in the league. How many coaches would you take over Mike Budenholzer? Uh, two. I think he's. I think he's the third best coach in the league. Okay. I like. Over I like. Um, Pop, of course, and. Got to. I mean, I guess you have to take the Kerr just because of the success. I mean, his in-game adjustments yes. aren't anything because he has all that talent, but he does get these guys play to their full potential on any given night. So. You have to give Steve Kerr, I guess, the nod. But Coach Budenholzer might be the best technical coach in the in in, in the league in terms of um, calling compl- game. No, absolutely, I completely agree with you on this one. I was talking about it earlier with one of my friends. What's your next question for me? Um, so I saw today where the Lakers actually had a meeting with Luke Walton, head coach. And Magic Johnson mm-hmm. kind of outrightly told him that we understand the slow start with all the roster turnover, but from this point out, your job and your contract here relies on these next undefinitive amount of time games. Would you put Luke Walton on the hot seat? No, I would not. And I think it's stupid that they even did this. I think you got to give him some time. You know, it's tough to learn how to coach with LeBron. Uh, I think Luke Walden is a good coach in the NBA, and I think any team would be lucky to have him. I think he might unfortunately get run out of town here just because they have LeBron James on their team. LeBron's kind of a cancer to coaches. So that's definitely a big question mark for me here with this. But I don't know. I feel like they have some quality losses. Like they've played lots of good teams. Like you look down there, they played the Spurs twice, lost yep. to them. They beat the Nuggets 
which is a really good win. But they also have played the Rockets, the Blazers. They lost at the Timberwolves. I mean, this schedule has not been easy for them at all, really. At Welcome the Suns to the West. First, the Mavs, they won both those games. You know, they're playing good teams in the West. I definitely think this team needs more time to gel. I also think that the Lakers kind of stuck themselves in a bad spot here by getting LeBron and still being a rebuilding team. So they're still kind of – this team's still learning. They're still trying to develop. So I per, I, I'm going to have to say – Shoot, I guess I'm going have to have to say I don't think he should be on the hot seat. I'd probably agree with you. Luke Walton's a great mind. Um, I think he's a good player. Scott. I think the guys really like him. I can't speak for mm-hmm. him, him and LeBron's personal relationship. You know, like we very rarely even get to see that kind of stuff. Um, I wouldn't put him on the hot seat, no. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, what star player do you think deserves more respect? Jokic, 100%. I think Jokic is a complete ball player, except for maybe dribbling. He can dribble well enough. He's a way above average passer. He's an incredible passer. He's a great scorer. I think Jokic is better than Carl Anthony Towns. I've said I've been saying that for years. I think Jokic is the real deal. Interesting. I think Jokic is very slept on, though. I think the man definitely deserves way more credit than he gets. What about you? Who do you think? Ooh, shoot, that's a good question. Um, Devin Booker, but at the same time, I feel like he does kind of get his respect since he had that 70 point game, but I think people don't realize he's a guy that's capable of leading the league in scoring. Um, all right. It's, it's it's a superstar. This player wouldn't count, but I was going to say Karis Levert just because he's been absolutely balling out this season. I definitely was, but actually I think Tobias Harris, honestly, he's been, he's been going off. I think, I mean, I don't know if he's technically a superstar, but I think he's probably a top 25 player in the league. Yeah, Definitely. Um, so this weekend we are going to see LSU versus Alabama. If there was a mm-hmm. prop bet that said, are the players going to fight at the coin toss before the game? Like, you know, that the whole team gets in each other's faces and shit like that. Yeah. Would, you, would you take it or would you not? I wouldn't take it. Would you? Uh, I, I think I would. I think this is going to be the hardest game Alabama's had to play since, hell, maybe two or three years. I, I don't think the playoffs was that hard for them last year. Um, and Alabama's only loss was to Auburn. So I thought this is going to be the most high-intensity game that Alabama's going to have to play in the past two years. I definitely think there's going to be some sort of altercation beforehand. I think the only way to beat Alabama is to combine LSU or Georgia's defense with Oklahoma's offense. So unless Kyler Murray walks out on the field with an LSU jersey on, I don't think they can even – I don't think they can really play with Alabama, honestly. I think this Alabama team is – head and shoulders above the rest of the league. But, but it's going to be fun to watch. I'm really excited for all these games this weekend. What's your plans to watch these games this weekend? Um, I'll be working a lot on Saturday, but what I'm going to try to do is either mm. a, give away a shift or I'm going to put a little transistor radio or have my phone kind of in my pocket with the game playing, kind yeah. of looking in and out, you know, type shit like that. I'm definitely going to be keeping track. Um, I'll end up getting off at 8, so I'll end up going to a friend's house for the Alabama game. But uh, for the George Kentucky game, I'm gonna I, I might have to like take my lunch break, you know, and go watch that. Go sit Zen Burger. Yeah, fucking go, go go have a few brews before I start driving cars again. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm a, I mean, I'm excited. This is the most stacked up like weekend of college football I can remember. I mean, when's the last time we had two top ten teams play each other? I can't even remember. Maybe. So. It's going to be fun to watch, but hey, I appreciate you coming on again, Cohen. I'm excited to see how our Hot 100 turns out this week. Me too. 
Definitely could be some big money out there for all our listeners. Once again, guys, we appreciate y'all tuning in. I'm Thomas Penlin, host of Hot Takes with TP3. Follow me on Twitter at Hot Takes with TP3. Interact with me, tweet at me, let you know what you want to hear me talk about, argue with me about whatever. Tell me if you think my takes are stupid. Uh, please, I want to hear y'all's opinion. Cohen, you want the people to get at you as well? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm the host of uh, the Daily Degenerate Podcast. We do betting, we do sports, we do comedy, shit like that. Um, follow me Instagram Cohen underscore Hughes uh, I'm on Facebook I'm not, I'm not on Twitter unfortunately but um, you can reach me at any of those places I'm on Reddit I'm-